Hey, what's up? This is the White Rabbit, Zach Rain, your Eclipse Wrestling Heavyweight Champion, and you're watching the Three Count Podcast. Welcome, everybody, to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering the Ring. I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, and it's, it's just me around solo. It's, it, it is what it is. We talk about all the time. Whenever you see me run solo, it's because hot dogs and handshakes don't work out. And then you run out of hot dogs and you can't do handshakes because of COVID. So that's the reason why it's just me today. But this is now entering the ring, which means one thing. We have a special guest from you. This man can be found at House of Truth Pro Wrestling. You can find this man on Chicagoland Championship Wrestling. He is the fresh prince of magnificence, the vanglorious and notorious Mr. Big Drip Energy, the walking apocalypse, Paragon. See, you do your homework, and that's nice. That's nice because there are people that don't that don't get Paragon's nicknames right. You you got about like five of them, so I dig that. I dig that. Paragon's got a lot of nicknames though. Like I, I've one time I did a whole promo for ROH, and it was just my nicknames. Didn't even have to say anything else. I didn't cut nothing else from nobody. It was just promo. It was just a promo of nicknames. And they say, we're like, how many more nicknames do you have? I'm like, let me, I got about 27 more. I just didn't want to say them all. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, um, I know it's a, another person that we can't talk about anymore in the business wise, but like maybe a certain cannonball had a whole lot of nicknames too. You know, he used to be the cream of the coffee, but you know. Oh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. He said that somebody else had a bunch of nicknames, but he wasn't vanglorious and notorious. So, right. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for coming on the show, man. Oh, no problem. No problem. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here. This is actually podcast number three for me this week. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this one a lot because the week that I've had, every single podcast has been something different. Uh, what I used to not like about podcasts in the past was that I've always felt like people were asking the same questions hmm. and they were wanting a different answer. And some of them would even see previous podcasts and they would ask me the same question. And I'm just like, I, I would like it if either you do some research or you bring me something new. You bring me something new to, to talk about and to address because when you do that, it helps me make your podcast special. I don't want your podcast to be like this person's podcast or that person's podcast. I want it to be something special. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to what you guys do and, and, and what we want to be on here doing today, brother. Yeah, no doubt, man. So normally it's how it works, man. We ask like, it's it's typical, like, I, it's like I was saying before we start recording, right? I think if this is like a how-to, but like Joe Rogan experience meets like how-to do like wrestling. So it's kind of like this like big mix. I enjoy it. I just think I like having a conversation. But we're going to start this off with a normal question, and you probably get this all the time, but who is Paragon? Okay, well, see, the par Paragon is the Fresh Prince of Magnificence. He's the apogee of all he sees. Mr. Smooth as Ice, twice as nice, never had a bad day in his damn life. Mouth like Ali, dangerous as Tyson. And if you allow the smooth taste to fool you, you'll get lost in the sauce and wish for something as sweet as pain. There are two sides of Paragon. There is the vainglorious and notorious one, and there is the walking apocalypse. The vainglorious and notorious one is he's the, the flashy side of Paragon. He's that, the, that smooth, that cool, that, that exuding sexual energy, the Mr. Steal Your Girl long drip style. He's, he's the guy that's going to walk over to your girl with eyeliner on, 
give her his number, take your girl, and then when he's done with her, give her back to you and tell you you're welcome because he just made her better because she just spent a night with Paragon. Yo, and then I, there's the walking, and then and then there's the walking apocalypse side. That guy, he is the no nonsense. He is the former mixed martial artist. He's the one that is wanting to put his knee through your head. You know, where the vainglorious one wants to embarrass you, the walking apocalypse wants to end you. You know, that's the difference. That a way to kind of describe it is Finn Balor taps into the Demon King when he's normally, you know, the prince. Well, for Paragon, he taps into the walking apocalypse when he's normally the vainglorious one. You know, normally, if you get the walking apocalypse, you didn't mess up. You didn't messed up A.A. Ron. <laughs> you know, you, 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 didn't, you didn't cross the line and then you were in trouble. Uh, and, you know, and, and Paragon is also the best way to describe Paragon, I guess I would say, when it breaks everything down, when you take out the vainglorious one, you take out the walking apocalypse. Paragon is someone who has been bred to be the best. Nothing would now granted Paragon has came from luxury, but he was forced to earn everything. You know, you know, I've I've been forced to yeah, I may have ate a meal that was a filet mignon wrapped in prosciutto with uh with a cheddar polenta and all that other stuff. But if I didn't bust my butt throughout that entire day, I didn't get to eat that meal. Yeah, I got yeah, I have a bed that's a thousand thread count Egyptian cotton and 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 silk and it's a king size bed and it's all nice and all that stuff. But if I didn't earn the right to lay in my bed that day, I had to lay on the floor next to my bed. You know, my training in mixed martial arts, I had, while some people get one sparring partner and they had that little session, they're done for the day. No, it was, you have one partner. And then after you're done with that partner, you got the next partner. After you're done with that partner, you got the next partner. And so you didn't spend about three to four hours just training and, and taking on person after person after person and you better win. If if you lose in the in the exhibition sparring matches, yeah, it may be an exhibition, yeah, it may just be sparring, but you didn't win, and so now you're in trouble. You know, Paragon has literally been bred, and 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 they say that pressure either makes diamonds or dust. Every single moment of Paragon's life has been pressure to turn him into the diamond that he is, and that's one of the definitions of Paragon is the perfect diamond. It's also the. Uh, the definition and model of excellence and perfection, but that's literally what Paragon exudes. Either I am or I'm striving to be that model of excellence and perfection. I am that perfect diamond. And the origins of the word Paragon actually come from an ancient Greek, uh, Greek word that they believe to be a stone that was used to sharpen ancient weapons to make them better and to help them be in their deadliest form. But you could not change the form of the Paragon because it was already in its peak, most powerful and deadliest form in itself. So the Paragon makes you better. You don't make the Paragon better because the Paragon's going to grow on its own. Yo, that's super lit. I was going to say, like, I know, like, watching your matches over and stuff, man, I see, like, I see both sides. So I'm like, yo, I'm very much... Like, I'll be real, man. Like, for me, myself, like, I'm very much on the walking Armageddon side. Like, Apocalypse is, like, all I, all I, like. So I'm all, I'm a huge fan of, like, mixed martial arts world and watching people get their face, like, destroyed by me. <laughs> like, it's high, oh, yeah. high to it. <laughs> I will oh, say, yeah. though, I do, like, I do, like, I do, like, the, par like, the flashy side of YouTube because what it reminds me of, and I, I'm sure you probably got this comparison probably a few times, but um, it's, like, James Brown and Prince together on that high super side. And I love watching it because I'm like, oh, it's just so pretty. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, that, and that's part of it. I mean, 
what's funny about it is both sides are me. You know, this a lot of people in wrestling, they have characters, they have gimmicks. No, these are just both sides of me just turned up. You know, I'm, I am pretty. I got on. I got on a pajama top that costs more than some people's rent. I got on a silk scarf, making sure my hair looks good on my get down. I am pretty, you know. As as I said earlier, I'm as royal as Prince. I'm I am as pretty as Little Richard. I'm as freaky as Rick James. I'm as wild as as Bobby Brown. I'm as smooth as Morris Day. I'm as cool as Lenny Kravitz. I am an innovator like James Brown. I am creative as Andre 3000. I'm as dangerous as Tyson. You know, I got a mouth like Ali. The list goes on and on. You know, I am I am the product of my environment because I grew up in music and I grew up in, you know, the fight world. And so growing up in both of those worlds, those are going to be my influences. You know, like a lot of people, a lot of people comparison wise will either say like you have a, a when you talk, it's very like rock or Ali like and how you spout off stuff and how you say stuff. I'm like, well, yeah, because Ali is someone who I studied. And The Rock was actually my introduction to professional wrestling, you know, seeing him back when he was Rocky Maivia and watching him grow, you know? And, you know, people say, well, they'll see some James and some Morris Day, some Prince, some Rick James in the way Paragon talks. I'm like, that's because that's, that's who Paragon is, baby. Par it's music. Everything you see Paragon do out there is music. And the difference is you're not listening to, you know, the beat, of a drum you just listen to the beat of a chest or the beat of a head or the beat of a foot to somebody's face yeah, you know okay. maybe, maybe the sounds of of some fingers and some digits breaking because paragon loves that joint manipulation you know you never know what you're gonna get that man i do i gotta ask though man as an mma fan as you have exclaimed yourself to be in the world of mma and i've trained as well i'm just curious like what's your go-to lock Ah, my go-to. All right, so if it's, it depends on whether we're talking street fight or whether we're talking sanctioned fight. If we're talking sanctioned fight, a go-to for me is Kimura. Okay. That's always been a go-to. Go-to go -to is Kimura. Uh, I, I even used to use that, you know, as a finisher at one point in time. I would do a modified Kimura with joint manipulation. Uh, but we're talking street fight. I'd probably say a guillotine or knee bar. Mm. Yeah, guillotine, knee bar, heel hook. Those are just my go-tos because when people don't know how to defend them, they're an easy way to just kind of, you know, make somebody rethink their bad decision that they just chose in that moment. Uh, like my, my brother uh, was a college football player, really big and could even went pro. And he's always just been naturally stronger than me. No matter how much I work out, no matter how much I eat, he's just always been. And, and it's crazy because my dad, you know, it was a bodybuilder, uh, semi-pro football player, uh, fire chief. You know, my dad literally used to live in the gym. They used to call him Black Bane as a joke. And even and when my brother was like around 15, even he was stronger than my dad. You know, my brother was 15 bench pressing over 300 pounds. Damn. You know, and and as he got older, he just got stronger. But the thing was, whenever we would like play fight and stuff like that, he would always try to use his strength against me. And what I would always do, I'd trap him in that guillotine and bring him back down to size. He, we, he never knew how to defend it. Because <laughs> the first thing he wants to do as a football player is tackle me down to the ground. But when you know Brazilian jiu-jitsu and you know how to, you know, use the art of somebody else's body weight against him, he, didn't, he just screwed himself over. But, uh, is this a PG podcast? Or? It is absolutely not. So one of my favorite memories of play fight with my brother is my dad says, look, loser has to face me. Go. And my brother just rushes me to tackle me. 
and I just trap him right in the guillotine. And all you hear my dad is going, that's your ass. That's your ass. He been fucked up. That's your ass. That, uh, 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 he tapped out. Look at it. That's your ass. And he said, all right. I'm like, you next. He, uh, he, no, he said, loser has to fail. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead, because he's too big. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, man. Like, I know for me, like, when it comes to a street fight, like, it's always got to be, like, a guillotine to a rear naked choke. Something's always got to happen that way, because guys, like – just like you said, right, guys will always go for the tackle. They'll always go for, the, like, the takedown. And then from there, it's just the ability of just, like, working the guy over and then just locking up from behind. And I think, too, like, when the street fight – or not street fight, but with sanctioned fights, I think one of my favorite moves is a key lock. I love key locks. I know they're easy to kind of get out of. Man, when you lock somebody in one and they're just here and they're just like, what is going on, man? <laughs> like, it's one of my favorite things to throw. And it's crazy, too, because I know I've seen, like – uh, I've started seeing it. I've started seeing more people use key locks in, um, in like, you know, like top tier. We'll talk like impact and ring of honor impact, uh, AEW, WWE. We, I started seeing more people locking key locks and not like where they put it down, they like stomp, but they're legitimately using key locks. I'm like, Oh snaps. Like, okay. I was like, now I'm gonna have to find more creative ways to get into my key locks because I see all you guys doing it. <laughs> Well, I, I will tell you this, because uh, you said that you, you have an MMA influence in what you want to do. Uh, when it comes to the art of the submission, it's always best to do submissions that are big. When I say big, um, to me, the greatest submission of all time is, is the ankle lock, the standing ankle lock. The reason why I say that is because in wrestling, they always teach you and your opponent to be big, to stand tall, to have your chest out. They want you perfectly posturized and stuff like that. Okay, think of how many submissions allow you to do that while also allowing your opponent to also be big. It's not a lot. You know, the ankle lock allows you to stand all the way up, have your posture, get big in the middle of the ring. It allows your opponent to get up on their, on their all fours, except for the one that you're holding on, and now they're big, and you have this whole moment that the entire audience can see. When you do certain submissions, certain things get lost because there's that one audience member that can't see it because maybe they can't see the opponent or you're laying down or you're standing up, but you're blocking them in the way. I, I do a gory special. And in the gory special that I use, you know, I still try to make my opponent look big and I try to walk around the ring so they see me. But the thing is, there's always going to be someone that isn't able to see me. They may be able to see my opponent, which is a plus, but they lose me. Whereas mm -hmm. in an ankle lock, they will always see you. There is no missing you. And so I will say, if you're going to do a submission, be mindful of what you do because you want to make sure the audience is always able to see you. Oh, that's great advice. I'm going to have to really consider that i know like right now like i'm still and, and even just for me like I, and I've, i made it known on this show like numerous times like i'm still in the beginning phases of like yeah. getting get like a solid move set and just like figuring out my character wise like i kind of have an idea of where i'm running it's just like it, it just feels like everything for me has to like evolve quickly and and not and not that it has to it just it does it just it gets to we'll put it that way because yeah. You know, I, I love nitpicking and asking people and coming back to them and talking to them about stuff. So it's been, it's been legit, man. Like I, I enjoy this journey. Like, oh man, it's crazy. Like I'm, mind you, I'm 35. Like <laughs> I'm still learning. Like, and I'm still like, I'm growing. Uh, and my, you, my trainer will tell me, he's like, yeah, you're growing at like a really fast rate. He's like, it's crazy to see you like get in and move. So it's been, it's been, it's been fun, man. But one of my questions for you also is, 
like what's been one of the hardest things like as far as like being a pro wrestler like before the pandemic and then obviously like what's been like one of the hardest things that you've run into like during the pandemic um one of the hardest things that i found about being a professional wrestler pre-pandemic um uh originally i would probably say branching out um And the reason why I say that is because, you know, when you're unknown in an area and you're trying to, you know, get known in that area, there are people that, you know, you're like, hey, I would love to come work for you. I would love to introduce myself, whatever, whatever, whatever. And you have the people who ignore your message. You have the people who don't feel like that you you, you would bring value to their show, so they don't want to bring you in. You have people that are willing to bring you in, but don't want to pay you anything. You know, and if they do pay you, it's a very small amount. And then you have people that are lucky enough that they see your value, they see what you're doing, and they throw some money your way and let you do the show. Um, wrestling has this, had at least had, and I think it still does, sadly, has this buddy system issue. And so a lot of times people will get their opportunities because they're friends with somebody rather than they have the talent or they have the uh, that work ethic. You will sometimes be on shows where you'll see somebody and you'll think to yourself, why is this guy the champion or why is this guy always booked? And he's, he's not good. It's not a matter of he's not flashy. It's not a matter of he's not like the best wrestler you've seen. No, it's just someone who's unsafe. You hear about them hurting people or you'll watch them take bumps and they look like they're going to destroy their rotator cuffs. But you find out they're buddies with the promoter, the booker, or you find out that they put a lot of butts in seats because they have friends or family that live in the hometown. And so it's not actually a matter of their talent. It's a matter of either who they're friends with or what they can do for the show which sometimes that's enough to get you on the card you know it's sad but it's enough to get you on the card um and it sucks because you know you'll have someone who is busting their butt and they're still trying to fight to get to the pre-show and then you'll get other guys who aren't trying now granted that's not always the case sometimes you'll find somebody and you're like i don't think they're that good get they're getting opportunities but what you don't realize is this person cuts the promo when asked to cut the promo they share the flyer when asked to share the flyer and then share the flyer when not asked to share a flyer cut a promo when not asked to cut a promo they're there to to help set up the ring they're there to help tear down the ring they're here to set up seats so they're doing their part and even going above and beyond and so like there's a reason this person's getting opportunities and that's something i will say you definitely kind of want to do when you're getting in is you want to be that guy that shows how much of a team player you are because we're supposed to be a team. Are we a team? Not always, but we're supposed to be a team. Um, during the pandemic, I would probably say one of the hardest things is people. Um, the pandemic hit. When the pandemic hit, so did speaking out. So did the new wave of the Black Lives Matter movement. So did the political race. So did a whole bunch of stuff. And between people losing bookings because of their ideological beliefs or their political beliefs or their social beliefs to having people you allowed to stay in your house and called friend and then seeing their name on the hashtag speaking out uh, to having people who are manipulative. Like there's a lot of people in this business that are manipulative. This, I hate to say that this is a carny business because it started in the carnivals, but there's still people that are those, those shysty carnival people that they're going to take advantage of you. If they see value in you, 
they will pretend to be your friends. They will say that we're family and they care about you. And the moment that they feel that they no longer have value for you or their stock raises in somebody else, they will cut you out and act like it's your fault. And they'll never talk to you, never talk to you again, ignore your messages. And then let's say you get some buzz and you get popular again then they'll reach out to you again and be like, hey, I hope you've been well. I can't wait to blah, 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 blah. And it was like, well, weren't you just telling me I wasn't good enough to be on your show? And now you're over here trying to get me back on your show and then trying to see if I can get take the same rate that you were having me do before. So the pandemic to me has showed people's true colors. And that's been a hard thing because when there's people that you called friend and you cared about, there's companies you've been loyal to when you could have not had to be. That's kind of been rough. Um, and also value. That's both, I will say, that's been an issue pre and current uh, pandemic issues. It's trying to let people know what your value is. People will ask you what your rate is in this business. And you'll tell them your rate. And they will pretty much like either tell you that's too high or they won't reply to you. Or they'll say, that's fine. We'll do that. And it's sometimes difficult trying to convince somebody of your worth, especially when it's like you've, you've shown it. Like I've had people reach out to me, ask me for me to be on their show. And then I tell them my rate and they're trying to negotiate my worth. Mm. Like I'll be like, hey, to wrestle in this area, this is what I this is what I ask for. Could you do this? To wrestle in this area, this is what I ask for. OK, what if we do this? Could you do this? To wrestle in this area, this is what I ask for, <laughs> you know? And a lot of times people think it's even just a matter of, oh, you, you're asking this astronomical number. And it's like, no, sometimes it's a matter of you don't understand how the travel is. Like a lot of people, for some reason, think I'm an Indiana guy. And then there's also people that think I'm a Michigan guy. I live in Ohio. At this point in time, I live in Ohio. And so there are shows for me that are two and a half hours. There are shows for me that are nine hours that I, that I wrestle for. And so when I'm traveling and I'm doing all this stuff, if I'm asking you for something, most of the time what I'm asking you for is gas. Like I'm not even trying to be a stickler. I'm like, no, like it costs this much gas to get there and this much gas to get back all i'm asking you to do is to help me out with gas money and then pay me maybe this small minute amount for my actual talent like one time if it comes to my actual talent of wrestling one time i only charged the company 20 dollars. i was like for me to wrestle and then one time it was even 10 i'm like for me to wrestle is 10 to 20 dollars, but i need you to cover gas and gas may have been like 40 dollars so I'm like, so I'm asking for 50 to $60. And this was like one, two years ago. And I'm like, so I'm literally just saying, I'm asking for a full rate of 50 to $60 because 40 of it is just for transportation. The other 10 for 20 is my value of what I feel like I can bring to the show. And that can be difficult either for some people to see or some people are going to be cheapskates because they don't want to spend the money. And that's something you got to deal with sometimes. Sometimes you got to deal with someone passing you over and maybe going to someone who may not be as talented or over as you, but they're cheaper than you because they're people that are more worried about saving a buck than about having the best talent. And not everybody wants to give you an opportunity. Like one thing I will say is one of the reasons why I love Chicago land championship wrestling is the owner is creating opportunities. 
you know, he doesn't just want to create opportunities within his company. He's trying to create opportunities outside of his company. He is an incredible human being inside and out, inside the business and outside of the business. And he's not like other promoters. He wants to see us eat. He wants to see the company grow and do so well. He can pay us more money. He wants to, to have us in different markets. He wants to be able to say, when I see you on TV, I can say, I helped that. I helped make that happen. Or I helped get eyes on you. A lot of promoters don't want you to succeed. They want you to get big enough that you can keep on keep putting butts and seats in their area. And then you stay there. They'll bring in other people that have names or indie dogs, whatever like that. But they want you to stay at a certain level because you make them look good. And they also have to pay you a certain amount. Whereas the owner of Chicagoland, he wants us to grow. You know, I feel like one of the best mindsets to have in this business and what happens, sadly, is a lot of people start off with this mindset and they lose it because the business is, is, is hard. It's, it's a motherfucker. But the mindset a lot of times that people come in the business with is I want everyone to eat. I want everyone to be able to eat. I want everybody to be able to, to be able to have gas money and to have food. I want all of us to be able to succeed and thrive. I want us to be able to go back to the days of the territories. When somebody asked, what was your job? You said professional wrestler and it wasn't professional wrestler and a professional wrestler, but no, your job was professional wrestler. You have five shows in one week and each of them is a minimum of $500 is what you're getting paid. And cause back in the day, a jobber, or enhancement talent made five to seven hundred dollars just to job out. And dudes that were like top of the card, like road warriors and stuff like that, according to according to Animal before he passed away, he told me and a couple of other guys that when he was starting off, they would make somewhere between seven hundred to two thousand dollars a show. You know a show. And he said, that's when they were starting out. So before they even went to, you know, fed and, and, and the dub and all that other stuff, they had increased. And then they went to WWE and then they went to WCW and so on and so forth. And so it's just, I would love for us to get back to that. And a lot of people have that mindset in the beginning and then life wrestling and people kind of destroy that mindset. But to me, that's a good mindset to have because if you have the mindset of you want everyone to eat, you start to realize that you look at wrestling differently. You look at people differently. You'll wrestle differently. You'll understand your place on the card. You know, like if you're booked at match two, you're not going to be, you're not going to wrestle a match five match in match two. If you're a main event, you're not going to wrestle a match two match in the main event. You're going to wrestle what you have been booked to be. No, man, that's, that's great knowledge to like pass along, man. Like that's definitely something that doesn't, it's not really talked about like on the show. Like this is kind of like the most like peeled back that I've had for all, for this interview. So I just going to put that out there. we we'll break that first and just talk about that. So thank you for like all that. So our listeners should be definitely taking notes on like what was just preached here. <laughs> But I say I was going in for a second, so I'm sorry if I might have done a little, little too much. But I, when it comes when it comes to the wrestling business, as much strife as it has caused me, I love it so much. I love wrestling so much, and, and especially because being young in the business, you know, because uh, literally in a few weeks it'll be my three year anniversary. But a lot of people don't realize that because of how I carry myself and due to some of the opportunities I've been giving, I have sat in the booker seat 
and now I sat in the booker seat within like underneath my two year mark, like within my first year in wrestling, I got to sit in a booker seat. That normally doesn't happen to somebody until they're at least like seven years plus in. So to be able to say I did that in my first two, I got a different knowledge of how certain things are and how certain things work. I, my goal is to wrestle for a living. If I make it to TV, cool, but I want to wrestle for a living and then own my own wrestling company, own my own wrestling show. I'm, I want to be an owner. Like my friend jokes, he's like, you like the LeBron James of wrestling. He's playing to become an owner. And he's like, you're wrestling to become an owner. And I'm like, that's the goal. Because my goal is I want to be able to create something, to covet something, to start something. I want to be able to give the guys like myself and you opportunities to become who they're meant to be. I want to run an elite wrestling show that's actually about wrestling, you know, and there's storytelling and there's different types of people. You're not going to find the same guy. Everyone has professional gear and a professional look and this. But the thing is, it's because of what I've learned along the way. It's what I got to experience along the way. And so I just, I love talking about wrestling. I love talking with people about wrestling and and the crazy things that I've learned in such a short amount of time. No, I mean, that makes sense. Like that's the something I like learned too. Like as a kid, well, I mean, I was like a kid, like, well, we all grew up watching wrestling. We all like, we all have our favorite wrestlers and we all know like, like great ways to like tell stories. So we know, like, we know, we know the the tricks and the trades to kind of like get in there. It's, it is, it's very it's very cool that I get to talk to somebody who literally is going to help me sharpen my tools. Like just in this short time span that we've been talking, like learning. That paragon. (laughs) That paragon. (laughs) (laughs) So very much, man, it's been appreciated. So like, I guess for me, another question, like I would ask, ask you, right. Is like, what advice would you give to someone that's coming up in the business or even starting? Uh, I would give the same advice that was given to me uh, before I got into the business, whether it was before I stepped foot in training or whether it was before I, I had my first match. I reached out to um, Silas Young, Shane Taylor, Keith Lee, Ezekiel Jackson, Shad Gaspard, RIP, um, and Congo Kong. And I reached out to all of these people before I stepped foot in the ring and or after I left. And I want to say the best advice I was given was actually from Shad Gaspard. And what he said is to remember why you're doing this and to make sure you want it. And it's very simple, but it made that much more sense after taking my first bump, after having my first match, after having my first injury, after having my first time getting a crowd to sing Purple Rain whether I, when I was a face and when I was a heel, whether it was the first time being at a show where there was a WWE name on the show, yet the crowd was chanting my name all night, and then I stepped through the curtain and felt like a rock star, whether it was the first time going out into front of an audience to no reaction, whether it was the first time, you know, people seeing the evolution in my look and my gear. Every time you experience either something grandiose or something tragic in wrestling, I go back to, Make sure you want this and remember why you do this. Remember why you fell in love with wrestling. Remember why you wanted to become a wrestler. Remember why when everyone told you no and that this was a dream or a phase that would pass or you're too young, you're too old, you're too this, you're too that. When everyone told you you couldn't do this or you shouldn't do this. When you had those days that you were in so much pain, you didn't want to get up. When you had those days where your mental health wasn't the best. When you had those days where you try to figure out, was this for you anymore? Remember why 
you do this and make sure you want it because you also don't want to waste your time. You don't want to waste your money. You don't want to waste your energy. I mean, myself, I have missed goodbyes. Hello, first hellos and last goodbyes. I've missed funerals. I've missed birthdays. I've missed weddings. I've missed births. I've missed so much for this business right here because of how much I want this and because of why I wanted to do this to begin with. And that's to me the best advice you can give somebody. Now, granted, I will also say, please, this is to everybody watching it, to you specifically as well. Please, 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 get professional wrestling gear. Not Elucha, not Easy Tights, not some secondhand stuff that you see somebody selling. Don't go to look at what the person makes gear wise. And if they don't have good quality stuff, move on to the next one. Invest in yourself. You are a product. At the end of the day, you are no longer who you are, the person. You are now a brand. You are now a product. You're, we, we say that there's bumping and selling. Well, part of selling is trying to convince people. So you are trying to convince people they want to buy into you. You are selling yourself to make these people want to chance your name or to hate you. So invest in yourself. Get good quality gear. That's a big thing. There's people in this business that may not have the best shape or the best, best look or whatever like that when it comes to body type, but they have phenomenal wrestling gear. And that's part of what gets them on shows because people want that guy who looks professional. Two, be original. There's so many people in wrestling that are the, are the MMA guy or the high-flying guy or the I'm good at wrestling guy, the I like technical wrestling guy, the I'm happy to be here guy, the, the look at my crazy flips guy. There's so many people that, oh, oh I'll, I wear face paint but don't have a character guy. The, you know, there's so, many, there's so many different things in wrestling that are so bad because they're not unique. One of the best things that my trainer, Truth Martini, said to me, and I love him for this, and if you know anything about Truth Martini, he has a very distinct voice, and one of the things he said is, I need you to look at what's missing in wrestling and then be it. So truly, look at wrestling. Look at what you see on TV. Look at what you see in indie shows. And think about what you don't see. Think about what's missing. Think about what you don't see at that show or in that ring or in that company or in that whatever. And then be that thing that is missing that you don't see anywhere else. Be the attraction. You know, because whatever you, I've had people try to call me Velveteen Dream. They've called, tried to call me MVP. They try to call me The Rock. They try to call me all these different things, which gradually it sucks because as a black man in wrestling, you get compared to other black men in wrestling, even when you are doing something different. But the thing is, you'll never see anybody with my wrestling gear. Don't nobody talk the way Paragon talks. Don't nobody look the way Paragon looks. No one carries the way carries themselves the way Paragon carries themselves. No one wrestles the way Paragon wrestles. How many pretty motherfuckers you know that are some of the best te uh, technical wrestlers and, and strikers in professional wrestling? Not very many. I'm about to say, because I, I, just take up some, some pretty people. If you want to call Velveteen Dream pretty. Velveteen Dream is a very, very base level wrestler. You know, he's somebody who can take th things from every single column. There's nothing really about his in-ring that stands out. It's his character. 
You take someone like like uh, Adrian Adonis, once again, a base-level wrestler, what's his character? You take someone like Ric Flair. Well, with Ric Flair, you can argue that he had, you know, some, some, some flair to him, pun intended, and he was a technical wrestler and he could get his cheat on. But the thing was, the flashiest thing about him was his hair, was his out-of-the-ring gear, and was his robe. His in-the-ring gear was very simple, was very toned down. Mm-mm, no, Paragon's going to give you all the flash 24-7. He's big drip energy for a reason, you know? And on top of that, Flair might put a hold and work and work something. No, Paragon's coming for that joint. He's coming for those digits. He's coming for that hand. He's coming for the for the wrist. He's coming for the for the femur, the fibula, tibula, legs, knees. If he finds a if he finds a weak spot, he's attacking every single part of it. Because he wants to either make sure you're not able to make it to your car and open your door, or you're gonna hobble all the way there. No one is doing what Paragon is doing. Or at least they're not doing it the way Paragon is doing it. And I can say the same thing for guys like Calvin Tankman. I can say the same thing for about guys like Justin Kyle. I can say the same thing about guys like Nolan Edwards and guys like Braden Lee and guys like Chris Moore and Jay Thorne and, and, and so many amazing talent in the Chicagoland locker room. Like, honestly, that's probably one of the best locker rooms in professional wrestling. And we've only had one show. <laughs> so, but the talent is so incredible but the thing is, they're, they're not like what you're seeing from other people. And that's what's important. That's the key, to be different. And so if you can do that, if you can be unique and if you can be different, that's very important. That's what I would say to everybody. Remember why you want it. Remember why, you know, you got in this business to begin with. Make sure you want it. Get professional gear. Be unique and be different. And also another thing that I think is probably even more important than all that, listen and be willing to learn. There's a lot of people in this business that think, think that they reach a certain point, that they don't have to learn anything anymore, or they don't have to listen to anybody. And you'll see that those people have a shelf life. Even if they're still wrestling, their, their peak of prominence of like how high they're going to ever get is a shelf life. Someone who has main event, like has main event WrestleMania talent, but has indie, <laughs> indie wrestling common area ego, they're never going to wrestle outside of a certain comfort zone. And part of it is because they're not willing to listen. They're not willing to learn. not willing to get better. I'm going to take y'all with me because I got to grab my charger. I thought this was more charged than it was, but Zoom takes up more energy than expected. <laughs> we are traveling in the home of Paragon. That is what we're doing. <laughs> I see a whole lot of chest. <laughs> a whole lot of chest. That's that's something when our fans we watch this on uh, on YouTube, they're gonna be like, "Oh wow!" <laughs> they're gonna be like, "Paragon's showing us all the chest." Put that disclaimer on the bottom of the video. Disclaimer: This this video may show all the chest. <laughs> it shows you shows you more chest than what you've been expecting. Mm-hmm. And see, I might I may need to stop stealing one of my tag partners' uh, gimmicks because his nickname is Chesty Larue. So I don't want him out here thinking I'm trying to rob him <laughs> of his essence. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chesty. I'm not stealing your stuff. <laughs> so I guess another question I really I'll ask you, and it's kind of like a fun question, like post everything. Um, every wrestler, every promoter, every ref, every manager. 
Every person has one. I just want to know yours. What's been your favorite fan interaction? Uh, I got to pick just one. <laughs> I mean, you give us a general bunch of them, I guess, if you want to. But, yeah, normally, like, normally there's, like, that one kid that, like, said something to you or, like, that one person that came to you when you least expected it and just, like, made your day or made your week. Well, only reason why I asked that I could pick one, because, you know, I've had some really, really dope ones, but I had I had two in particular ones for two different reasons. Um, one fan interaction was um, I have this kid who I want to say since like mid to late 2018. No, it's, yeah, so mid to late 2018, I just started noticing like he was at every show that I was at. And then once I got merchandise, anytime I got something new, he'd be right there at my merchandise table trying to get his hands on something. There were certain times where I knew he already had this merchandise and yet he was still there trying to get his hands on something. And uh, the first show back to wrestling, I saw, because I have a staff that I carry to the ring. And my first show back to wrestling during all this COVID stuff, he saw my staff, dropped about $40 at my merch table. And then the following show, he has made his own staff that he brings to the ring. And he's rocking my Paragon shirt and he's doing my entrance and all that stuff. I see him in the audience. And so he was like, hey, do you have any new stuff? And so he's looking at my merch stuff. And I'm like, well, I'm actually running a, a special tonight. And it's just for you. And he's like, what's your special? And my, my, my very own and favorite pair of sunglasses that I either wear to the ring or whatever may have you, I took them off and I put them right on him. And I was like, you see that there? I'm no longer Paragon. We're Paragon. Because every, all the support that you've shown me and all the things that you've given me, you showing me that I would not be here if it wasn't for people like you that show me the love that you show me. And so you're showing me that we are Paragon. And so for everything that, you know, that you bought off of me and you've given me, it's time for me to give something to you. And, and he was so elated. And like his dad even messaged me on Facebook to let me know he keeps walking around the house acting like you. <laughs> he's trying to cut promos like you and he's doing your poses, you know, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So it just, it feels, it feels so incredible with him. But I will say though, in the other realm of it, I had a fan who came up to me um, and, you know, they've, they've been a fan of me. Their family had been a fan of me, um, but I could tell something was off. And so I was like, be real with me. What's going on with you? And they told me that there was a chance that their cancer was back. And they were taking it very, very hard. And they told me that when they saw me post a motivational video, because I occasionally Paragon does that. I posted a motivational video earlier in the week that they said helped them through the day when they found out that rough news. And they asked that they could have a hug. And I gave them a hug. And I just said to them, I'm like, you got to just tell yourself because when it comes to sicknesses or whatever, a lot of it is mental. It's, it's your mental state that, that helps you fight through some of the stuff you're going through. And so I kept telling them, you have to keep telling yourself, it is benign and you are fine. And tell yourself anytime you get down, anytime you get sad, until you actually go to that doctor's office, tell yourself, it is benign and you are fine. 
and they'd message me throughout the week, you know, like it's been nine and I am fine. It'd be Wednesday, like 2 a.m. It's been nine and I am fine. It'd be Friday at, at like 1143 a.m. It's been nine and I am fine. It'd be like 2 p.m. on a Saturday. It's been nine and I am fine. They would let me know that because they were letting me know, like, I'm having a rough day. But because of your words, I'm using to keep pushing through. And then they went to the doctor's office and the doctor's office said, it's be nine and you were fine. And they said, it honestly looks like it had regressed from the time that they saw them to the time they came back. And they were, they just told me, they gave me a hug when they saw me again and they embraced me and they were like, your words helped me really deal with what I was going through. And you telling me about the, like having to keep that positive mindset and stuff helped me stay in that positive, you know, mindset, even when I was having rough days. And so that in particular kind of helped me understand how important we are to people. Cause we don't always understand that or get that when you're a wrestler, you know, sometimes you think the fans just see you as their entertainment where sometimes the fans also see you as an escape. Sometimes the fans also see you as someone that they look up to, even if they're older than you, you know? And so to have a fan go out their way to let me know like, Hey, like I'm struggling with something, but you're an inspiration for me, or I was struggling with something and you were an inspiration that helped me out. It kind of lets you know that it's, it's sometimes it's bigger than wrestling. Like wrestling is what bring us, brings us together, but it also like shows us how human everybody is and how important everybody is to everybody. You know, I always out Jimmy Jacobs, a house of truth alumni, uh, used to say that when you have sex, there are so many sperm cells that leave the penis and only one of them reaches that egg. So you were competing with thousands of sperm cells and you were the one that won and made it to the egg. That right there within it, hold on. And then the gestation period from becoming the, the, the egg to the fetus is so dangerous on both the potential baby and the mother, and then the fact that you made it out the womb from the sperm cell alone, that shows you that you're meant to be here and you're supposed to be here. And then once you made it out the womb, that was the guarantee that you were meant to be here and you were supposed to be here. And so we're all connected and, and we're all supposed to be here. And so just because you may not know this fan or just because, you know, you you may not know them on a personal level sometimes you being in that building your energy and how the universe works could have potentially set them off to have something positive and good to happen and i got like i said it just kind of helped me get a greater understanding of what we actually do for people and what we do in this business damn that's a lot of good knowledge <laughs> like i just be honest man like and those are great stories too man like it's very important to know, like, you know, like you said, like, just stay grounded, you know what I mean? Because, like, people people are going to ground you with just the things that are going to keep you humble. And, like, it's great to know that you are able to, you know, inspire people to, you know, that it's benign and they'll be fine. Like, that's definitely cool to hear lots of kind of stories. And that's the, to be honest, on both fronts, man, that's this is the first time I've heard that kind of story and details, man. So thank you, like, for sharing that with us. Um, I mean, honestly, I felt blessed because, you know, the fact that a fan would want to even share that with me, that's such a personal thing. It's such a, such a, 
close to the hip, close to the heart thing. And once again, the fact that they want to share that with me or anybody, like I said, it lets me know like what we do for people, you know, we are people's escape. We are people's fantasy. We are people's dreams. We are real life superheroes and villains. You know, we are what people inspire to be. We are what people uh, learn not to be. We, we do great things without even realizing it sometimes. And so it's just, it's cool to me. It's, it's cool to me. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that. What? Get, get off my computer. Get off my computer. <laughs> and then you fall. And okay, all right. <laughs> no, that's, that's great, man. Like you said, you know what I mean? It's such, it's such great stories and powerful ones too. Like I definitely, I, I love it, man. But that is it for like all like these like deep in hearted questions, man, that like hits the people in the soul. So we're going to transition this over to probably like the coolest, most fun part about this podcast, which is our three count podcast, 10 count questions. Here's how it works. We're going to fire off a bunch of questions at you rapid fast. And uh, it's whatever first answer comes to your mind. Okay. All right, let's do this. Let's do this. So we put the imaginary timer on the clock. Bing! And here we go. Smackdown or Raw? Smackdown. Favorite movie? Get Out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Friday night, what you doing? Uh, uh, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite color? Purple. P- baby, baby, for real. <laughs> <laughs> Brett or Sean? Sean. Favorite animal? Ocelot. Hey, there we go. It's a unique one. That's the first time I've heard that one on here. Batman or Superman? Batman. Favorite podcast? Favorite podcast? Uh, it's a murder podcast. I can't think of the name right now, but it's a murder podcast. Oh, man. All right. Well, then you're going to definitely have to text me that one because yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been locked in. I've been locked into a few of those lately. Uh, nominate one person to be on this podcast. Uh, Sam Knight. Sam Knight. I don't know if you know who Sam Knight is, but incredible knowledge about the business, incredible human being, uh, used to wrestle in the California area and then made his way over to the Midwest. He, he's somebody who I would say would be incredible for this podcast. Or uh, if you want somebody that might be some be controversial, I also say Shiloh Greaves. Uh, the the homie is one of the best heels in professional wrestling, one of the best cruiserweights in professional wrestling. Uh, he is uh, second in talking only to Paragon, you know, because he can't out talk Paragon, but he can talk his butt off. Um, trained at uh, trained by. Uh, Rakishi and Gangrel and the Fatu family. Uh, and he once upon a time was uh, his heel work was so good that it got misconstrued and he actually had the FBI looking for him and he's getting death threats to this day. So you want to hear about good heel work? If you want to get some heel work advice, Shiloh Greaves is who you want on your show. Oh, def. I definitely now know who I'm going to be reaching out to. Um, Last but not least, here's my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this podcast. Favorite curse word? Motherfucker. <laughs> it's and- just, it's so, it's so perfect. I love, and like, 
when I tell you how many times I love being at a rated R show, so I can just be like motherfucker, you know, it just it just rolls off the tongue. I love it. I love it. It really, it, it really. I have does. a wallet that says "bad motherfucker" on it. You know, like I love it. <laughs> I feel like I've heard that before. I'm not sure where I've heard it before. It's Pulp very fiction. original. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I got actually. I bought the. It was like Pulp Fiction "bad motherfucker" <laughs> wallet, and I got it in purple and gold. And I was like, "This is for me. This is mine." <laughs> Can't nobody had this goddamn wallet. This wallet is my wallet. I don't want nobody touching this wallet. I swear to. I swear. I swear to God, anybody touch this wallet, I'm gonna smack him to sleep. Don't you touch my goddamn wallet. <laughs> There we go, man. That's the 10 cow question. So all I need from you now, man, is to let our listeners and our viewers know where they can find you. Okay, well, you can find Paragon uh, if you're looking to get some good wrestling. Granted, the pandemic slows stuff down. But as of right now, you can find Paragon at Chicagoland Championship Wrestling and Chicagoland Championship Wrestling Affiliates. So you could potentially be seeing me in the UK, Japan, uh, Mexico, we're working on Canada, Louisiana, Texas. Got a couple things right now in motion. So it's a place you can catch me. Also, uh, you can catch Paragon at Emerge Wrestling, WTF. Um, you can get at Paragon on at the underscore Paragon on Instagram. If you need some motivation, you can find me at Paragon Motivation on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Paragon Christoph St. James on Facebook if you want to be able to uh, reach out to me there. I do add fans. All I ask is that don't be creepy unless you're beautiful. You can be a little bit creepy, just not too much. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you might want to add me on Snapchat, but that's where things get weird. So I don't know if y'all want to do that, but the Paragon 23 on Snapchat, the Paragon 23 on Twitter. And if you are into gaming and you, and you have a PS4, or you, if you haven't gone full PS5 yet, the Paragon 23 on uh, PSN. There you go. So you guys can catch him on all of his social media platforms, as he said, and he lists them right there for you. So you should be able to go out there and look. And if you didn't, just hit the rewind button. Take yourself 10 seconds back. Listen to it again. Right? <laughs> we'll also have it in the descriptions uh, down below. So that's it for the Three Count Podcast presents Now Entering the Ring. I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller. As we said, Now Entering the Ring, the great one. Give it up for the man, the myth, the legend, the man who makes me want to be a better person, Paragon. <laughs> so tune in to the next episode and be there or be somewhere else. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the Three Count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the Three Count Pod. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to YouTube.com. Give us a subscribe. Turn the bell on. Turn on notifications. Leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the three count pod. Please go buy our t-shirts. We love you guys and we hope you love us too. So show us some support, please.